Hello and welcome to Canby's Quarterly Results Podcast. I'm Gerard Starkey, the SVP of Marketing and Communications at Canby. And in this episode, we're talking about the Q223 results, which were published on the 26th of July. We're recording about two weeks from the reports, and I'm joined by, as ever, Canby CEO Christian Nyland and Canby CFO David Kenyon. So thanks for joining me today, guys. Starting with you, Christian, there's quite a lot to unpack from this quarter, plenty of updates and lots going on, including strong revenue growth, some turnover growth and significant partner signings. So it'd be good to get your view, your takeaway and reflections on the quarter and what your highlights were. Good morning, Jörg. Yeah, I'm very pleased with this quarter. 24% revenue growth, always pleased with that. I would probably have liked to see a little bit higher turnover growth, but uh, I think that was quite heavily impacted by, by the amazing uh, betting margin we had this quarter. And I think David will probably give you some more detail later. Obviously, the big highlight this quarter is uh, the signing of Ballis. And on top of that, we have done a lot of key partner signings of, of our existing partners. So very pleased with that. And of course, we have continued doing some progress on our AI trading efforts. I'll talk more about later. Very pleased in, in general, good momentum, and I think we're well positioned for the future. Excellent. Yeah, um, let's let's dig into that partner signing with with Bally's. You know, there's there's both a, a US angle, which you know is already underway with with a couple of retail launches and some more in the pipeline, but also sort of a large international business that they hold following the um the acquisition that they made of, of games this uh, a couple of years ago now. So if you could just give us a bit more on, on Bally's and the, and, and the grand opportunity that you see there. Bally's, is, of course, a, a huge operator, both in retail and digital, and both in the US and internationally. To start with, uh, I think the focus will be to get the sportsbook up and running in, in the US. And uh, we have already gotten a a few states up and running uh, on on the retail side, and uh, we expect at least seven states to be up and running before the end of the year, uh, both retail and online. And after that, uh, I think something that is easy to forget about Bell is, uh, as you said, the acquisition of games is gave them a very very strong international presence, mm-hmm. both in Europe, but also in Japan, especially, and and uh, to some extent also in Brazil. So. Very interesting. I think this is a great opportunity camping. And I wonder if you can just touch on as well the elements of source code and and beyond that sort of a, a modularized services element from Canby to to Bally's. Yeah, so I think Bally's uh, they they came from taking down their own proprietary technology, and of course they wanted to make sure that that they had some control over how they can develop their sports betting in-house, and especially what would happen if Canby were to be sold to a competitor to them. In this deal, we, we have a part that is based on a potential uh, sell of the source code. For that to happen, certain requirements has to be fulfilled. And also, if that were to happen, Ballis have committed to keep on taking uh, modernized services from Canby. So uh, very interesting set up and uh, well in line with what we have planned for during the last year. Brilliant. Sticking with signings, although the contract was sealed 
following Q2, but was part of the Q2 report. You also signed and have indeed launched um, IS Gaming in Brazil. So, yeah, can you give us a, a bit of colour on, on that partnership and, and how you look at Brazil in general? Yeah, sure. First of all, I mean, I appreciate IS Gaming is not uh, very known to many people, but uh, I think this is a really interesting deal. Firstly, they are backed by the European gaming giant Gausselmann. So, I mean, they have a backing to make this a really, really strong uh, opportunity. Secondly, they have a very experienced management team uh, who knows the industry well. So that's also very, very interesting. And most interesting, for sure, the deal we have done with the Brazilian media company called Lance, uh, who is number one football news site in Brazil. So uh, the, the brand will be Lance Betting, and it went live a couple of weeks ago. It's very early days, but this could definitely have a very large potential, and uh, we hope uh, it could be a leading brand in the future in Brazil. Excellent. And in Brazil, in, in general, of course, the president signed the uh, provisional measure, I think it was called, which could mean regulated sports betting in Brazil in, in a, a matter of months. So how do you look forward to that? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, we, we have this deal done. I talked about Bally's potential being a customer. We, of course, uh, have another uh, really uh, interesting uh, opportunity that we have been talking about before. Rio de Pataco? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and uh, of course, it, it may be a few hours coming in, you never know. So I think Brazil is a massive country and, and we're really looking forward to Brazil becoming a regulated market. Fantastic. OK, moving on to partner extension, something there's, there's been you know a flurry of over the last couple of quarters. And of course, one of your key drivers, to your 2027 goals is to retain your, your key partners. And over the last few months, we've seen PATH, Leo and, and Betplay sign on the, the dotted line for an extended period. So, yes, yeah, so your reflections on those and, and, and how you see these partnerships developing in the years to come, please, Christian. Foundation of, of growing the business is, of course, to, to keep our existing partners. And, and in this case, we talk about two of our largest uh, partners in Betplay and Leo Vegas. So, Extremely pleased to get them done. Betplay is a market leader in Colombia and, and having the intentions to, to enter our Latin American markets. And uh, Leo, of course, has been a large player in, in Europe for many years and now acquired by MGM with uh, very ambitious plans to expand through acquisitions. Mm -hmm. So that can obviously become a, a, a much bigger opportunity than it is as well. And then, of course, PATH. I mean, that's the first partner signing uh, for Cambi. And we're looking forward to the regulated market in Finland. So always nice to get that done as well. I say they, they come back off a couple of extensions in Q1 as well. Yeah, exactly. So with uh, RSI and, and the Sunbet, uh, uh, done in Q1. I think uh, we we have had a great uh, first half year in terms mm -hmm. of, of partner signings and securing the existing business. Perfect. Thank you, Christian. David, let's let's bring you in now and, and talk some of the numbers. The, the headline figure, I suppose, was the, um, the revenue growth, a strong 24%. So 
yeah, it'd be great to get your take on what were the, the driving factors behind that growth. Yeah, hi, Gerard. I think the first one to mention is shape. Uh, so we made the acquisition in September last year. And so we see 3.2 million of revenue from shape here in this quarter, including the first full quarter of the, their new wager deal, which they launched in March. So that's, you know, that's, that's positive progression in, in that part of the business, uh, which which is all new revenue versus this time last year. Then you have the margin, very high this quarter at 9.9% uh, versus 8.6% last year. Of course, it does have a suppressing impact on the turnover. So whether it, you know, it's not that it all feeds through to a revenue growth, but, you know, for sure it in the quarter, it, it's a positive contribution uh, to the revenue. And last year, I'd, I'd mentioned new customers. We've launched a number of new customers since since the same quarter last year. So, you know, you put all these things together and, and you end up with a, mm. a very healthy revenue growth, I'd say. You mentioned turnover there and, and the impact of the um, unusually high sports betting margin. Turnover growth was 4%. So any other factors that would have held that one back? Were you anticipating something a, a bit larger this time around? I mean, there's a few things to think about here. I mean, firstly, before we get into versus Q2 last year, I'd say as a general, Q2 is, of course, pretty quiet in the sporting calendar. And you would normally expect a decline in Q1 to Q2. There's no mm -hmm. NFL. The vast majority of the March Madness uh, matches are in are in Q1. And of course, the European football season ends partway through Q2. So, you know, the, the fact it's a quiet quarter, of course, not a surprise. You know, there's a few other factors which didn't kind of hurt that growth versus Q2 last year. Firstly, Penn National Gaming, we've talked and they've talked very publicly about kind of the reasons for some of the loss of market share in the publicly reported states that they've seen ahead of their transition away from us on, on the in the online business. And that clearly is, has had a, an impact on our growth and our turnover growth. The second one to mention is foreign exchange. It's kind of gone against us on the revenue and, and the turnover. If you strip that out, actually the 4% becomes 7%. And that's that's really all due to a weakening of the, of the Swedish crown, the US dollar and the Colombian peso. All of them have weakened versus the euro versus this time last year. And then last one, and it's pretty hard to quantify, but it's the margin effect. You know, when I talked earlier about a 9.9% margin, that high margin does directly affect turnover. It's not an exact science to say how much, but, you know, when you, we typically expect margin in the longer term to be 8 to 9%. So when you get something that's, you know, close to 10%, that, that does suppress the turnover to quite a large degree. So that certainly impacts when you look at that 4% growth number. Now, you mentioned there the effects and also the um, yeah. sports betting margin. Do we expect these impacts on turnover to continue into to future quarters? Are, are kind of these effects going to going to linger for a while, or will we have to kind of even review what the um, sports betting margin range should be? Would that be kind of uh, increased somewhat? Yeah, good question, and almost they're, they're quite different answers. Whether you're talking about foreign exchange or the margin, let's start with foreign exchange. I think first thing to say is obviously they they're fluctuating a lot, but if you know in terms of Analyzing for the future, obviously Q2 2023 is more relevant than this time last year. So it's something we're clearly going to have to keep a, a close eye on and see how they move. And that will obviously directly affect our revenues. I think it's worth mentioning, though, there is a pretty natural hedge to some degree in our business for certainly on Swedish crown and US dollars, where we have quite large cost bases in those currencies also. So profitability and EBIT level, actually, there is a, a natural offset when there's movements in those two particular currencies. So, you know, we've only been talking revenues, but if you look purely at the bottom line, actually, it's less of an impact. The margin probably is more of a one-off that we saw in Q2 23, and that really does depend on the sporting results. This quarter was unusually high. 
There may be a small structural element that is that is an increasing factor here, though, and that's that's the bet builder it comes at a much higher margin than the other bet types we offer. As that kind of grows as part of our business, yeah, we will definitely continue to look at our guidance and if see if that makes us reconsider. But yeah, we haven't quite got there yet, but it's it's, it's on the radar and watch this space. No, over the last twelve months, and I think we're still within eight to nine percent range mm-hmm. there. So uh, yeah. Coming back to Penn, you, know, you highlighted the loss of market share or, or what we can see publicly in, in the States that um, regulars report anyway. Their online migration took place just after the close, sort of around the, the 10th, 11th of, of July. So what impact, of course, we're retaining the, the retail element for now, but what impact do you expect that online migration to have on Canby's financial performance, looking at the, the next couple of quarters, but in the longer term as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I can talk kind of very broad brush strokes here. I can't get into too much detail, but I can base it on what people can see out in the public data. Mm-hmm. And we've previously taught that that translates to 10 to 15% if you apply a number of assumptions to what's in the public domain that Penn has historically contributed to our revenue base. That has trended towards the lower end of that range in, in recent quarters, so nearer the 10 than the 15% of our revenues. And of course, we will continue to operate the retail business, which is in the kind of 20 to 30% of, of that total. So, you know, we're losing close to seven to eight percent you can say of, of the revenues when they make their online migration but as we announced previously when with this online transition there are fees attached to that which we, we're going to get 15 million dollars which we'll recognize over the next five quarters if you bear that in mind i'd say in that next five quarters our, our financial contribution from pen is relatively protected and kind of most importantly i think that gives us time to develop all the exciting opportunities we see with other operators so you know it is a, a hit purely on the kind of, you'll see the hit on the online turnover, on the operator turnover, but actually the financial contribution is, is protected in, in the coming quarters. Brilliant. Thanks for uh, explaining that. Uh, let's, let's, let's come back to, to you, Christian. So we've, we've talked a lot about the commercial uh, deals we've done over the last quarter and, and, and David's talked about the numbers, but uh, kind of separate from that, you've also sort of done some kind of uh, a little bit of a reorg in terms of creating a, a standalone division for your AI trading team. So it'd be good to just Get your thoughts on that. What was the thinking behind that? What, why do you think it, it will work better as a kind of a standalone unit? I mean, if you have followed us for the last couple of years, we have talked about the modernize our service for a long time. And I think this has always been a part of the plan. First of all, we will offer our AI trading service to, uh, as an external service. Of course, it will always also be a big material part of it can be complete but we will also sell it as a standalone service i think major thing we've setting it up as a separate division we can retain the startup mentality and the focus within this group and i think this is something we are looking to more and more within the business to mm-hmm. make sure that each uh, module we will be quite standalone and by that we hope we can move much much faster with the technology as well we believe we have developed something quite unique and great here and i hope we will see more of this during the autumn the impact that has on on the pre-match shocker so far is astonishing i would say both in in terms of how much broader offer we can do and and we can do it with less effort and, and uh, by automating it also with a much higher quality it has been interesting also to see the valuations from some of, of uh, 
these bespoke uh, trading companies that has been sold like Banak and Ångström. So I think we have something uh, really special here. Uh, it's still early days and it's still over the football, but I hope we will uh, roll out in play on soccer during this year and, and uh, tennis early next year and then uh, more sports to come after that. Excellent. Look forward to that rollout. As David touched on when he was speaking about the turnover, the summer months are traditionally quiet, but hopefully we're entering a busy period now with the European soccer seasons getting underway and the new football season, what, just a month or so away now. So how is Cat Canby preparing for these? Is there anything we should be looking out for? And kind of just your, your general kind of feeling around H2 and, and what we can look out for? Yes, I mean, obviously, as you say, yeah. It is very quiet. Thankfully, we have had the uh, Women's World Cup in foot here in, in uh, late July and August. So that has helped a little bit. But it really starts taking off next weekend, I guess, when, when a lot of, of uh, bigger leagues are, are starting to start again. And then, of course, the start of the NFL season is, is a massive thing for us and our US base of customers. And then we have a few interesting. Um, Extra events uh, that is not always uh, coming up. We have uh, World uh, Championships in, in basketball early this autumn before the NBA starts. And of course, mm-hmm. we have a Ryder Cup as well that is uh, taking off in, in September. Yeah, I think calendar-wise, it looks uh, like a very nice autumn, actually. Excellent. And just going back to the World Cup, as we speak, England and Sweden could still meet in the, in the final. So that would be an interesting one. Yeah, definitely. I think we, both teams were very lucky yeah. in the, in <laughs> the, the last season. But yeah, you need some luck to win as well. So let's hope for a final. Let's see. Okay, um, on that, I think we'll we'll leave it there. So it just leads me to thank Christian and, and David for, for joining me. The Canby Q3 2023 report is published on the 1st November. So yeah, this pod should be available in, in a week or two after that date. So hope to see you then. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you.